From the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. Well, hello there, I'm Graham VK4 Baker Baker. You've tuned the WIA National News for week commencing July 14, 2013. As we kick off, a reminder that if you happen to miss a news broadcast, you can find them going back many, many a year, back about five years of audio, I believe. Just go to wia.org.au and look up the weekly news broadcast and over on the left-hand side of that page you'll find the links to previous broadcasts and it's all done by year. So if you missed, for instance, last week, and I do know that those listening in the Brisbane area to 147.000, they were uh, treated to a rebroadcast of the previous week's news. So uh, if you did miss out, and there was a lot of good information last week, you can go to wia.org.au and pick up a copy of last week's news. Across Australia from VK1 WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In the southern suburbs of Adelaide, it can be heard on VK5 RAD 2 metre repeater 147.000 at 9am on Sunday mornings. I'm Morgan, VK5 Triple M, on behalf of the South Coast Amateur Radio Club. AWA. The Historical Radio Society of Australia will hold its Melbourne auction under the theme of AWA Centenary as the amalgamated wireless Australasia celebrates its 100th birthday. The HRSA invites you to bring along AWA radios, particularly early ones, and other AWA-related things such as brochures and pictures. The auction will be held at Churches of Christ Theological College, that's 44 to 60 Jackson's Road, Mulgrave, on Saturday, Saturday the 27th of July at noon, and viewing starts at 11am. You can also join the net Sunday nights at 8.30pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on 80 metres, that's 3.575, or for more information and a downloadable auction entry form, pricing and other information, visit the HRSA website. Then a little further north the following day, it's the AWA Centenary Celebration Reunion in Sydney. The AWA Veterans Association Incorporated will be holding a centenary reunion of AWA at the Burwood RSL Sunday, July 28. There will be a number of product exhibits and memorabilia from AWA departments for viewing on the day, together with guest speakers to spark some reminiscence in your memory bank of your time with or association with AWA. You can contact awaveterans at gmail.com. Balling home. Prepare for a wave of astronomical revelations with the $51 million Murchison Widefield Array, the MWA radio telescope in West Australia, now in full swing. The MWA is part of the growing Murchison Radio Astronomy Observatory in a remote part of the West Australia region where radio frequency interference is virtually non-existent. It's a precursor to the $2 billion International Square Kilometre Array project and comprises some 2,048 antennas that capture low-frequency radio waves. It'll step up observations of the sun to detect and monitor massive solar storms and will also investigate a unique concept, seeing if stray FM radio signals can be used to track dangerous space debris. A little further east, astronomers have just detected the first population of radio bursts known to originate from galaxies beyond our own Milky Way. The sources of the light bursts are unknown, 
but events such as merging or exploding stars are likely the triggers. A single radio burst was detected about six years ago, but researchers were unclear about whether it came from within or beyond our galaxy. These new radio burst detections, four in total, are from billions of light years away, erasing any doubt that the phenomena is real. The discovery, described in the July 4 issue of the journal Science, comes from an international team that used the Parkes Observatory in Australia. Exactly what is triggering the release of the radio waves is unknown. Further scans for radio bursts using the Parkes Observatory are ongoing. Lithium batteries are undoubtedly popular going by their wide use in consumer products and even higher power models in electric vehicles. However, they have been linked to fires, illicit drug makers and medical problems. The recent death of a toddler in Queensland and others injured after swallowing them has again focused attention on the common power source. From January 2013, stricter regulations for the carriage of lithium batteries by air travellers was introduced, so it's best to check with your airline for the rules. They are new as of January 2013. A battery can also be a convenient source of lithium metal used in illegal meth labs. Sales of larger quantities are restricted for this reason in some areas. International industry standards for button batteries are soon to be introduced as an urgent safety measure. These are likely to include strengthened consumer education about the dangers and child restraint packaging for the cell batteries. Sempty Exhibition those with an interest in current media technology might like to check out the SEMPTE, that's the Society of Motion Picture and Television Engineers, SMPTE, the biannual exhibition, which will be at Darling Harbour in VK2 between Tuesday 23 and Friday 26 of July. Next weekend, Amateur Radio New South Wales will be conducting its regular foundation course at the VK2WI site. There will also be assessments available for all licensed grades Sunday 21. Bookings are required and that can be made by email to membership at arnsw.org.au and the regular bi-monthly Trash and Treasure will be held at VK2WI on Sunday the 28th. Still to come as we whip around Australia, news from VK5 and in VK4 it's the TARC social meeting this Tuesday with a monster auction. Tuesday, July 16th, the TARC social evening will be happening at the club rooms at Top SES headquarters. That's in Green Street, West End from 7.30pm. Get along and lend a helping hand to put that magazine of renowned backscatter together and socialise with fellow hams. As an added bonus, a monster auction will be happening to see who can claim a night or two at the venue for Friday the 26th of July. All are welcome. Be there. Between Friday afternoon the 16th of August 2013 and Monday morning the 19th of August, eight amateurs from the Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society will be operational from Kangaroo Island, Oscar Charlie 139, off the Florio Peninsula of South Australia. The special call sign of VK5CWL, VK5 Cape Willoughby Lighthouse, will be used to coincide with the 16th International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend. The call of VK5BAR, Bravo Alpha Romeo, will also be active from the island during the Remembrance Day contest. VK5CWL and VK5BAR will be operating on all bands, 160 metres through to 2 metres, depending of course on band conditions, on a variety of modes including SSB, CW, PSK and 3DV. 
A special certificate is available to those amateurs who make contact with either VK5CWL or VK5BAR during this period. QSL cards are also available for both stations. More information can be found on the VK5CWL website at vk5cwl.weebly.com. We look forward to contacting as many amateurs as possible during our four days on the island. 73 from Paul, VK5 Papa Alpha Sierra, on behalf of the Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society. What use is an F-call? I've spent the past couple of weeks investigating magnetic loop antennas and during that process got distracted by propagation. I've talked about propagation before, but in talking with an amateur with many years of experience, so much so that they've had their licence longer than I've been alive, it transpired that there were still things that I was able to share that were new to them. The Australian Government, that is the Bureau of Meteorology, has a department called the Radio and Space Services, which is their space weather branch. The more common name of this section is the Ionospheric Prediction Service, or IPS, and their website can be found at www.ips.gov.au. When you get there, you'll find a vast treasure trove of information, both historic and current, even live. Of particular interest to us amateurs is the section which innocuously is titled HF Systems. Within that, you'll find hourly area prediction charts, the current and past T index with future predictions, minimum and maximum usable frequency charge, and the list goes on. In the online tool section, you can generate your own HAP and other charts for your location and your preferred frequencies, and you can see what 24 hours of data looks like for that. You can subscribe to alerts, daily, weekly or monthly reports, book propagation training courses, and I've only just scratched the surface. All in all, there is much more information than I can share with you at short notice, but I recommend that you go and have a look. The location, again, is www.indiapapasierra.gov.au. That's www.ips.gov.au. Propagation, it's what makes your contacts possible. I'm Ono, Victor Kilo 6, Foxtrot, Lima Alpha Bravo. From the WIA News Hub in Sydney and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed via VK1 WIA. With international news, I'm Jason, VK2LAW. Douglas Engelbart, whose invention of the mouse transformed the way people interact with computers, has died. Engelbart died at his home in California. He was 88. Engelbart arrived at his crowning moment relatively early in his career. It was 1968 when he delivered a presentation containing so many far-reaching ideas that it would be referred to decades later as the mother of all demos. Speaking before leading technologists in San Francisco, Engelbart, a computer scientist at the Stanford Research Institute, showed off a cubic device with two rolling disks called an XY position indicator for a display system. It was the mouse's public debut. Engelbart then summoned in real time the image and voice of a colleague 48 kilometres away. That was the first video conference. He then explained a theory of how pages of information could be tied together using text-based links, an idea that would later form the bedrock of the web's architecture. New Zealand Hall of Fame 2012 Zulu Lima 1 Hotel Yankee Mike Edwards Mike was first licensed in 1973. He worked more than 100 countries on phone before gaining his HF licence in 1975. 
Mike was the first New Zealand amateur to be awarded the CQWAZ on 80 metres in 1981, 11th in the world. Following that remarkable achievement, Mike went on to gain CQWAZ on five bands, 5BWAZ, all in SSB. Mike gained 5BDXCC as early as mid-1981. With more than 100 entities on 160 metres, Mike has demonstrated his prowess at both DXing and contesting over the last 40 years. Mike Edwards with the honour of the New Zealand Hall of Fame. Zulu Lima 3 Tango Yankee, Bob Macquarie. Bob was first licensed in 1963 and operated mostly on VHF. His dedication to VHF became apparent when Bob became the first New Zealand amateur to gain DXCC in VHF mixed 6 metres and 2 metres. Bob is the first New Zealand amateur to be awarded DXCC on the 2 metre band with 102 countries confirmed. Bob joined the Zulu Lima 7 Charlie D expedition in October 2002 and was able to make the first ever moon bounce contacts from the Chatham Islands. As a consequence, his name and call sign are inducted into the New Zealand Hall of Fame. Zulu Lima 2 Alpha Whiskey Juliet Ted Thorpe Silent Key Ted, Edward Max Thorpe, was first licensed 14th of October 1949 as ZL1ADX while he was a student at Mount Albert Grammar School in Auckland. On January 27, 1966, the 38-foot catch Marinero sailed from Wallace Island en route to Western and American Samoa. Aboard were five individuals, including Ted Thorpe, Zulu Lima 2 Alpha Whiskey Juliet, who had just completed a successful operation as Fox Whiskey 8 Zulu Zulu on Wallace Island, the 15th such operation during the World Radio Propagation Study Association's 1965-1966 Southeast Asia-Pacific D-Expedition. This de-expedition was received with enthusiasm by DX fellows in the USA and throughout the world. During the preceding six months, over 75,000 QSOs had been logged on CW and SSB. On the 29th and 30th of January, a hurricane struck the Wallace Island Samoa area, the eye of the storm passing directly over Wallace Island with winds in excess of 100 miles an hour and waves 50 to 75 feet in height. The Marinero with Ted aboard never reached port. The Marinero is now considered to have sunk, and the five on board, including Ted, missing, assumed dead. Congratulations Mike Zulu Lima 1 Hotel Yankee, Bob Zulu Lima 3 Tango Yankee, and Ted Zulu Lima 2 Alpha Whiskey Juliet. A $40 software-defined radio. An IEEE article describes how, with some cheap hardware and free software, you can listen in on digital and analogue signals across a wide range of radio spectrum. The author, radio amateur Stephen Cass, KB1 Whiskey November Romeo, used a Freeview P250 dongle and a Model B Raspberry Pi microcontroller. JARL Hamfair 2013. The Amateur Radio Festival, also known as JARL Hamfair, will be held in Tokyo 24th and 25th of August 2013. Displays of industry and club booths, guest speakers, special event stations and many other activities to satisfy the inquisitive needs of the amateur will be available. IARU Region 3 directors will be visiting the Amateur Radio Festival as on the Monday and Tuesday following, the Ham Fair directors will meet to discuss and action items relevant to the region now and in the future. Three Zulu Sierra Radio Amateurs received the MTN Radio Amateur of the Year Awards. The annual event is hosted by MTN to encourage radio amateurs to give back to their community and amateur radio. 
the MTM Radio Amateur of the Year Award was presented to Doikon Radi for his contribution to the promotion of amateur radio both in the amateur radio community and the community at large. He produces the weekly 30-minute program Amateur Radio in Axie and every alternate week Amateur Radio Today. The MTM Garth Milne Technology Award was presented to Dion Kotze, Zulu Romeo 1 Delta Reco for his support of the SAMSAT Kletzkus CubeSat project. The MTM Amateur Radio Community Service Award was presented to Glyn Chamberlain, Zulu Sierra 6 Golf Lima November, for his staunch support of the SARL Hamnet, and in particular for his effort in a mission to find an aircraft that crashed in Mozambique. Still in South Africa, we learn that the Independent Communications Authority of South Africa has informed the South African Radio League that it has now analysed all payments for that nation's amateur service licences. It says that in 2012, some 209 radio amateurs paid the proper fee for a five-year license, but failed to notify the regulatory service of that fact when payment was made. This year, there were an additional 34. To rectify the situation, the regulatory agency says that it plans on mailing five-year licenses to these hams, which will be valid until 2017 and 2018, respectively. On a more negative note, the ICASA says that the same inquiry revealed that 823 South African radio amateurs did not renew their licenses, and as such... These licenses will be cancelled, and the regulatory agency says it will make arrangements for the urgent sealing or confiscation of the equipment if payment is not made immediately. The South African Radio League is urging hams in that nation to check their payment records to make certain that they have renewed their licenses. If not, they should do so without further delay. There will be no MCOM West Ham Radio Convention in 2013, so says the Board of Directors in a front-page posting to the event's website. According to the Post, the board has been discussing the options for and fate of MCOM West 2013. It says there have been many changes in the volunteer workforce in the past 12 months. This, coupled with the small period of time between now and the traditional date of the event, has led the board to decide to forego 2013. The board says circumstances leading to this decision include the loss of several key volunteers, the continued inability to draw the major vendors and manufacturers to the show, and the fact that little has been accomplished to make measurable progress towards event production for this year. He goes on to say that if there is to be an MCOM West in 2014, it may require a local club to take the helm and provide the much-needed volunteer base for the event. MCOM West began in 1999 when a group of northern Nevada amateur radio operators interested in improving emergency communications hosted the very first symposium that led to the convention as it is today. You can find more online at mcomwest.org. Ron Moorfield, W8ILC, who just returned from this year's European Ham Radio Convention in Friedrichshafen, Germany, estimates that around 14,000 or so hams attended this year's offering. Moorfield was there with a contingent representing the Dayton Amateur Radio Association, which, of course, sponsors the annual Dayton Hamvention. While at Ham Radio, the Dayton group live-streamed the three-day event back to the United States, and it also recorded it for anyone to watch at a later date. The files have now been posted, and you can see this year's European Amateur Radio highlight at www.ustream.tv slash recorded slash 35112685. But one suggestion, if you plan to watch all the video at once that the folks from Dayton sent back, you might want to make a big bowl of popcorn and have some cold drinks handy, because there's a lot there to see. Ham Radio 2013 was held June 28th to the 30th at the convention facility near the picturesque shores of Lake Constance in southern Germany, not far from the borders with Switzerland and Austria. Turning to space-related news, word that NASA has launched a satellite on a two-year mission to explore a little-studied region of the sun. The new bird will help to better understand and forecast space weather that can disrupt communication systems on Earth. Amateur Radio Newsline's Heather Emby, KB3TZD. 
Unlike a traditional liftoff, the Iris Sun Observing Satellite rode into Earth orbit late Thursday, June 27th, on board an Orbital Sciences Corporation Pegasus rocket. This is a booster that is released from a modified Lockheed L-1011 jet aircraft that carries it to a launch altitude. In this case, the launch carrier took off around sunset from the Vanderburg Air Force Base on California's central coast. At an altitude of 39,000 feet, it released the Pegasus booster, which ignited its engines for the 13-minute climb to space. Shortly thereafter, NASA confirmed that IRIS had successfully reached its intended orbit and that it had received confirmation that the satellite deployed its solar panels and was generating power. The seven-foot-long iris, weighing 400 pounds, carries an ultraviolet telescope that can take high-resolution images every few seconds. Unlike NASA's Solar Dynamics Observatory, which observes the entire sun, iris will focus on a little explored region that lies between the surface and the corona. That's the glowing white ring that's visible during eclipses. IRIS is being managed by the space agency's Goddard Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland. Its ultimate goal is to learn more about how this region of the sun drives solar wind and to better predict how space weather can cause disruptions to communications here on Earth. The latter is something very near and dear to ham radio operators worldwide. For the Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Heather Emby, KB3TZD in Berwick, Pennsylvania. Those stories from the Amateur Radio Newsline. You're tuned to the WIA National News Service across Australia. I'm Bill Pasternak, WA6ITF. This is VK1 WIA. All points of contacts from today's news stories are to be found in print when you read the web editions www.wia.org.au From the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. Operational News on Felix VK4FUQ, Dateline 2013. 13 and 14 July, IIIU HF Championships. 160 metres phone and 80 160 metres CW and digital trans Tasman contest 20 July 8 pm to 2 am. Remembrance Day contest August 17th and 18th. Again this year the RD falls on the same weekend as the International Lighthouse Weekend. Allen BK4SN says unfortunately the RD cannot be moved. Lighthouse stations are welcome and encouraged to submit logs for the RD while having enjoyed both activities. You have heard this morning of that VK5 club who will be doing both activities together. But there are changes to the RD, so listen up. Remember that the new start and finish times are 0300 Zulu or 1pm Eastern States. This time will let you have half a day free on both days of the weekend. Teams were very successful last year, so please notify VK4SN2WIA.org.au of your team members prior to the start of the contest. Special event stations, DX and Beacon, and Net Advice. TU5DF is on the air from the Ivory Coast until October. TU5DF operations are 40 through 6 metres using CW with some SSB and PSK31. QSL to his home call F5SWB. VG6 Yap Island, September the 8th to the 15th on 40 through 10 metres using CW only. QSL via PG5M. CP1XRM from Bolivia until July the 19th. What makes this operation unique is that CP1XRM will be on the HF bands using a 100 watt solar powered station to a vertical antenna. QSL via EA5RM, his home call.
6V7S, no, not a vacuum tube, but a call sign from Senegal. 6V7S is transmitting from Senegal through July 16 on 80, 40, 20, 15 and 10 metres using CWSSB and RITI. QSL via RK4FF, his call. For VK1WIA National News, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ, Enningham. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you are tuned to the WIA National News Service. From Castledon in North Brisbane, it is transmitted on 7.130 MHz at 2300 UTC Saturdays. I'm Paul, VK4, Bravo Golf Tango. I'm Brian, VK3GR, with this week's worldwide special interest group news beginning with Final Frontier. Ham Radio CubeSat FitSat 1 becomes a shooting star. The amateur radio CubeSat FitSat 1, also known as Niwaka, burnt up in the Earth's atmosphere in the early hours of Thursday, July 4th. The last signal was received by JA0CAW at 0307 UTC. FitSat 1, built by students at the Fukuoka Institute of Technology, was one of five CubeSats launched to the International Space Station on July 21st last year. Then you can send your own spacecraft to the moon, a new project to give thousands of people the opportunity to design, build and launch personalised spacecraft and send them to the moon has begun. Now anyone can become a citizen space explorer at the cost of $159 American. Explorers who back the project will be able to personalise their own spacecraft by adding a picture or message direct from their favourite social media or game profile or create their own unique design. Pocket spacecraft are discs with flexible electronics smaller than a CD and as thin as a piece of paper. They will be loaded into an interplanetary CubeSat mothership to hitch a ride into space on a commercial rocket. The mothership will then be set off to the moon and when it arrives many months later, the fleet of pocket spacecraft will be photographed as they're released to land on the moon to complete their mission. This campaign ends on August 26, 2013. Worldwide Special Interest Groups, ILLW, and a milestone for ILLW registrations has been hit. The 300th registration for next month's International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend comes from Rainer Arndt, DL9OE, who will activate the Lude Tower Lighthouse in Germany's Saxony region. That lighthouse, built in 1900, is a cylindrical tower painted with red and white horizontal bands and sits on the south bank of the Elbe River. So far, the fun event on August the 17th and 18th has over 325 registrations from more than 30 countries. Australia and Germany are leading with 50 each. Then follows the USA on 40, England has 30, Argentina 20 and Sweden 15. Canada, Ireland, Netherlands and Scotland have about 10 each. And the new countries joining the growing list this year are Chile, Taiwan and Turkey. Now, in the 16th year, the annual event promotes public awareness of old marine navigation methods, amateur radio, and fosters international goodwill. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Rescue Radio. The New South Wales Police Search and Rescue are looking at all of the details of the original search for Cessna 210 VHMDX, lost in the Barrington Tops in 1981, to assist in planning for this year's SAREX in October. They would be assisted by any listener who has knowledge of Weissen's involvement in this original search. The Weissen New South Wales website can be found at nsw.weissen.org.au. 
Special interest groups, summits on the air. Andrew, VK1NAM, has news of an upcoming celebration of six months of soda in VK1. He says... VK1 Soda participants are planning to celebrate six months of soda in VK1 on Sunday 11th of August with simultaneous activations of multiple VK1 summits commencing at 0915 local, that's 2315 UTC. VK1 NAM is coordinating the register of operators and summits. Quick look at the social scene before we disappear. This weekend, July 12-14 in VK3, it's Gips Tech being held at Church Hill. July 20 in VK3, Gippsland Gate Radio and Electronics Club Hamfest. Also in VK4 on July 20, Caboolture Hamfest at 9am. July 28 in VK2, Albury-Wodonga Amateur Radio Club's Hamfest at 10am. August 4 in VK6, the Northern Corridor Radio Group's Hamfest at 9am. August 11, it's Sarkfest, Richmond Hill Road near Lismore. September 14, Sunshine Coast Amateur Radio Sunfest at 9am. Moving through to October, October 3 to 7 in VK4, it's the biggie, it's the North Queensland Amateur Radio Convention being held in that old gold city, Charters Towers. October 5 in VK4, Redfest by Redcliffe and District Radio Club, but it's being held at Caboolture and that's at 9am. November 2 in VK4, Gold Coast Amateur Radio Society's Hamfest at Albert Waterways Hall, Pretty close to that casino. November 3 in VK5, Hamfest. The Adelaide Hills Amateur Radio Society have that at Goodwood. Victorian National Parks Weekend. That's November 15 to 17 in VK3. Also in VK3, November 24, the Southern Peninsula Amateur Radio Club's Rosebud Radio Fest. Now, if you would like to submit news items for inclusion in the VK1 WIA broadcasts, email your item in text to National News at wia.org.au Till next we meet, because the phone's going, I'm Graham VK4BB. In the nation's capital, with amateur radio news from across the globe, this has been the WIA National News Service. Local news and callbacks follow on most affiliates. We'd appreciate you checking in. VK1WIA. We've reported, you decide.